Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Thursday, May the 27th. In this week's podcast, we're discussing renal medicine as we publish two papers that form a short clinical series ahead of the European Renal Association, European Dialysis and Transplant Association, ERA, EDTA Congress in Madrid coming up in early June. Sorry, that's a bit of a mouthful. Let's hear from our guest interviewee for this podcast. Hello, my name is Daniela Flieser. I'm professor of internal medicine at the Saarland University and the Saarland University Medical School in Germany. I'm not an author of these two papers, but I will be chairing the joint Lancet ERA EDTA symposium at the ERA EDTA Congress in Madrid on Sunday, June 4th at 15 o'clock. The first series paper looks at managing people who have acute kidney injury. Would you mind describing more about acute kidney injury? Because it is a multifaceted clinical condition, isn't it? And and what sort of people are potentially at risk? Indeed, the acute kidney injury has mostly several causes. In previous times, acute kidney injury was related to primary kidney diseases or kidney diseases due to, for example, systemic diseases like vasculitis. However, in recent times, we have more and more patients getting acute kidney injury because of systemic infections, sepsis, or large surgical interventions or surgical procedures like procedures at um, uh, the heart or lungs or something. So actually, in these patients, there is a lot of comorbidities present, like cardiovascular diseases or other diseases, which can lead to high risk for acute kidney injury in such patients. And who are most at risk of getting acute kidney injury? And why is prevention so important? Why are prevention measures so important when we're looking at acute kidney injury? From large epidemiological studies, we know that the highest risk have patients who have already some kind of kidney injury. So chronic kidney disease, for example, with high proteinuria, loss of protein in the urine. So these patients have uh, usually an additional trike on their kidneys So they get uh, acute kidney injury and acute kidney failure. Identification of such high-risk patients or high-risk individuals is very important in order to reduce the risk for acute kidney injury after or uh, during such procedures like surgical procedures or heart catheters, for example. And in terms of the things to avoid, the key negative measures associated with acute kidney injury, perhaps you could discuss the importance of these for clinicians. Volume depletion in the kidney obviously is one, low blood pressure is, is another, and also toxicity in the kidney. Can you just run through these key negative aspects that need to be prevented? The kidney is very sensitive to blood pressure decrease or volume depletion. So during such procedures like, for example, heart catheter or open uh, surgical interventions at the heart, blood pressure drops or volume depletion can occur. And this may lead to profound kidney injury. A second important point is toxicity, such as, uh, for example, toxicity of certain drugs or interventions. And in terms of positive clinical intervention, the sort of things clinicians are looking for are volume and replacement, the use of saline solutions, although it's controversial, is it with some of these crystalline solutions that are available as well, and obviously avoiding kidney toxicity. That's true. 
true. One of the most important measures is to keep the blood pressure constant during such interventions and also to have an appropriate or ideal volume management, including also vasopressor drugs. So this is very important in order to prevent further injury to the kidney. One problem is, however, which was shown in recent large uh, intervention studies, that the use of saline might be problematical because large amount of saline so uh, sodium chloride uh, solutions may be also toxic in some circumstances and may also lead to kidney injury. There are several large studies on the way which will be published in a few years to resolve this issue and to show if sodium chloride should be replaced by other buffered crystalline solutions. And a key the key point, I guess, of, of paper one in, in this pair of series papers is about awareness, isn't it? About raising awareness for prevention efforts uh, in relation to acute kidney injury. Where does awareness need to be raised? Obviously, if you work in internal medicine or renal medicine, you're probably aware of these things. Presumably, the call for awareness it goes more broadly, does it, into other parts of medicine, primary care, nursing and elsewhere? Yes, I think that the awareness for the possibility of acute kidney injury should be much broader than also for a nephrologist or even um, doctors of internal medicine. A large part of the population has, um, for example, chronic kidney disease or uh, reduced kidney function and they are not aware of, even not their doctors. So we have to make these uh, patients and their physicians aware that th there might be a problem. And if such patients or such individuals have these mentioned intervention, large procedures, surgical procedures, they can get further injury to their kidney and then uh, they develop a progressive chronic kidney disease. So this is a very important point and goes beyond internal medicine and beyond surgery. The second paper in the series looks in much more focus at post-transplantation and obviously kidney transplantation is quite widespread now particularly in developed uh, medical settings with a high success rate and good patient outcomes but this is very much looking at preservation of the graft so is, is the point here that although transplantation renal transplantation is successful we still need to do better in terms of understanding how to preserve the graft function is that right that's absolutely correct actually the survival rates one year after to transplantation for kidney transplant is extremely high and improved in the last two decades. It's now up to 95%. This is probably because of our, the used quadruple therapy or immune suppression. However, the Cinderella of transplantation is long-term outcome, the long-term preservation of transplant function. Here, we have to do much research to improve. The paper alludes to, obviously, recent developments in key specialties, molecular immunology, and computational biology, and others that are potentially making the path ahead easier, better, for a preservation of, of grasp function after transplantation. Can you elaborate here? We know from several studies that the loss of transplants, the long-term loss, is mostly related to what we call or describe as a chronic rejection of the transplants. So it's a pure, almost pure immunological process. And we now learn to understand how this happens. We learn to understand which cells are involved in this process, how this chronic rejection takes place. With the implication being that, therefore, that we can better manage the potential of graft rejection in the future. 
Yes, that's true. And there are several ways which are already tested, like, for example, application of co-stimulatory blockade or even application of bone marrow transplantation in addition to kidney transplantation to induce immune tolerance. So in terms of the longer-term outlook for reducing graft-versus-host disease to a minimum, do you think that is a realistic possibility? Well, actually, the risk of graft-versus-host disease is extremely low in kidney transplantation. What the problem is, if we use the bone marrow in addition to kidney transplant, then it could happen that we induce also graft-versus-host disease. And there are ways to induce immune tolerance with this approach, but the problem of inducing graft-versus-host disease remains as with bone marrow transplantation. And here we have to find new venues to make or to induce immune tolerance for the kidney graft, but not to induce graft-versus-host disease. But looking back overall on these two papers that, that we've discussed, what, what are your reflections on the path ahead over the next 5-10 years for the management of kidney disease, both in terms of preventing it and then obviously um, after transplantation and the outcomes thereof? I think with respect to acute kidney injury, we have to find reliable biomarkers for patients at risk. So biomarkers which can tell us which patients will clearly be at risk to develop acute kidney injury to minimize the co-risk when other things like interventions, surgeons, surgical interventions are planned. With respect to transplantation, I think that the most promising way is indeed to try to induce immune tolerance in order to reduce or eliminate the need for uh, the also nephrotoxic immune suppression in order to allow also uh, chronic uh, survival of transplant more than 15 or 20 years. It's been a fascinating discussion. Professor Fleisser on the line, many thanks indeed for joining the Lancet podcast. You're welcome.